Up next on NHL Fantasy on Ice, Pete and Rob break down the impact of Sidney Crosby's return and which players around him will benefit. They also have replacement options for injured Morgan Riley. The guys answer your fan questions, settle some fantasy debates, and break down all the trends around the league. It's NHL Fantasy on Ice. How's it going, everybody? Tuesday morning edition NHL Fantasy on Ice. Pete Jensen and Rob Reese talking fantasy pucks and answering some fan questions. We got a bunch to get to today. But first off, Robbie, the big news of the day, Sid Crosby back in the lineup, baby. You love to see it. And this is a player, Pete, coming back. Not only is he a top 20 fantasy player, even with the designated injury status, Mm -hmm. but his ceiling is so high on a team that has the second best goal differential in the East playing amazing. two months without their top center. That is truly amazing, honestly, because they have been without Gensel as well for a right. few weeks now. Uh, you know, Malkin banged up here and there early on, but Malkin has taken his game to another level, which begs a question. I think an important one. We talked a little sell high with uh, James Harding about Brian Rust, mm-hmm. but regarding Evgeny Malkin, his production always increases when Crosby is out. Now Crosby's back. How do you view Evgeny Malkin? I mean, this is one of those super rare instances, and I think there's probably three teams in the National Hockey League mm-hmm. where this applies to, and Pittsburgh's one of them, where there's really no disadvantage here to a superstar coming back because the point share is so high. If they have a plus 32 goal differential without those top guys in the lineup, it's only going to get yeah. better. It cannot get any worse than that. Now, sure, it might take that week, two-week adjustment period where the power play is a little rusty or maybe Crosby's trying to carry the load while, you know, while you know, at even strength. But I do think Malkin eventually will readjust and find that 2C role. And then the top line with Crosby, you've got McCann, who's been great in Crosby's absence, skating on the left side now. And then you have Rusty and Malkin paired up on that second line so I think there's a very high ceiling for all these guys and there's plenty to go around of the three guys who could find themselves like they're marginal fantasy players right now who could find themselves on a line with Crosby who do you like the most out of Jared McCann Alex Galchenyuk Dominic Cahoon it's honestly the two guys off that list that I would pick up is Cahoon and McCann I do own McCann in a league I'm so glad I did not drop him because I think he's going to be a very consistent, not blow you out of the water like Brian Rust has season to date, but just a a solid contributor, good point share, good assist totals moving forward. And then Cahoon, I think, is another even strength beneficiary, but I would would temper your expectations on him. I think it's going to be more of like a Dominic Simone from seasons past where he has a two-point game maybe once a week, but then overall you get some goose eggs on the sheet too. And then just to recap, it is going to be McCann with Crosby, to start um, on nice. Tuesday, and then their power play unit is Latang, Malkin, Hornquist, and Rusty. Nice. And Rust has a great chance to remain there with Gensel likely out for the rest of the season. So, And he is on that unit, like you said. Uh, Jared McCann actually has goals in three of his past four games, dual eligible, uh, brings some face-off wins, can play center when needed. Maybe if Crosby isn't a 1,000%, he mm-hmm. can take some face-offs uh, to ease his uh, return to the lineup. So a really good mix for Pittsburgh. 
and uh, they seem to be a lock for the playoffs right now. No doubt about that. And I think, you know, going back to the Galchenyuk name you mentioned, I have seen his his name rumored mm-hmm. uh, out there in the trade market. So keep an eye on that. The, o- the only situation where I see him gaining any value is if they try and showcase him by putting him on one of the top two lines right. to get some points to make that stat line look a little bit better for a potential trade. He didn't really work well with Malkin. That was the guy that we thought he might play with, might fit best with in the preseason. But, hey, Crosby can make a lot of people around him better. And sometimes it's players like uh, right, like Connor Sheary for mm-hmm. years was like a 50-point guy. <laughs> Just a name that you wouldn't have expected to be that good. Uh-huh. So like, if the chemistry works with Galchenyuk, and we haven't seen a ton of that combo... Definitely some sneaky appeal. No doubt about that. It was like when Chris Kunitz was an Olympian that year yeah. because of the chemistry with Crosby. Chris Kunitz was like a 70-point <laughs> player with Sidney Crosby. He could do wonders with uh, very little help around him. Now, before I ask you about the goalies uh, that could benefit from Crosby here, mm-hmm. whether you think it's going to be Murray or Jari, I do want to say Patrick Hornquist is a guy that, if somehow he's out there in your league, I think he's around 60 to 65% owned in Yahoo, so he's not in a lo- available in a lot of leagues. But this is a player that's going to finish with a high power play total point-wise for the rest of the season because that placement is locked for him. You can almost view it as like a Mike Hoffman situation in Florida where even strength minutes might be around 12 to 13 a game, but those two power play minutes per game are going to equal power play goals and power play points. So if he's not available in your league, I would ante up here and say that's a player that I would trade for 100%. And the main thing, the main concern, the main thing I'm hoping for with Pittsburgh if Patrick Hornquist can stay healthy for the rest of the season, if Brian Russ can stay healthy for the rest of the season, if those two guys are there, they're going to be huge fantasy assets. You can trade for them now. I wouldn't sell high on them unless you're really worried about the injuries. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, these are top-level fantasy performers at this point. Now, we've seen Matt Murray pick up a couple wins recently from, mm-hmm. I think, December 28th till now. That's encouraging for fantasy owners that decided not to drop him. Let's say that Matt Murray is available and you do not own Tristan Jari. Would you pick Matt Murray up for the hope that he does recapture the number one job, or where do you stand on the Jari-Murray debate here? I think there's some value in picking up Murray for sure. I mean, the win at Colorado was huge. I mean, that's I know Colorado's down in the dumps a little bit, but still, they came at them hard. Murray got the win. Murray is a top-flight goaltender in this league. We've seen it before with the two Stanley Cup runs, and you could never dispute that. Tristan Jari has had a great first half of the season. It's not a full season. Mm-hmm. He's not Carey Price. He's not Ben Bishop. He's Tristan Jari. Last season wasn't even in the NHL. Mm-hmm. So there's a chance that he could regress. Murray would pounce on it, and Murray ends up being a top 15 goalie after all. It's so funny how similar this situation is to Holtby and Samsonov in Washington because yeah. Samsonov gets a shutout against the Hurricanes, who's a great team, on Monday night, and Holtby's numbers are atrocious this year. I think he's playing at an 899 save percentage <laughs> year to date, which is not going to cut it in fantasy if you've got save percentage as a category yeah. or shutouts. He hasn't had one in a long, long long time so I think that this Pittsburgh situation Pete you know if Murray is out there you got to scoop him up he's got the vet treatment he's always if Jari struggles for a game or two in a row you know they're going back to Matt Murray and you know he's getting two straight starts if he wins one or two of those starts it's probably his net for the remainder of the season so you just have to be put that red panic button you know 
Don't press it yet, but just know that it's close with Matt Murray coming back to the lineup, potentially over Tristan Jari. And I know I've mentioned it on this show before. The first month of this season, I'm not talking about previous seasons, was very strong from Matt Murray. I think he had 915, 920 save percentage. There were injuries around him, and he was one of their MVPs. Things have fallen off the rails. Uh, you get, you know, you get to the point after Christmas break, after the new year, where you start thinking about cutting the cord on a player like this shelve him as a third or fourth goalie mm -hmm. if you can at all possible. And this is when games start to become really meaningful. Mm -hmm. So even more incentive there to pick up uh, a proven guy like Matt, Moore, Matt Murray moving forward. What do you think of this Morgan Riley injury? Because out at least eight weeks mm -hmm. for their best overall defenseman. I know you're a big Toronto Maple Leafs advocate <laughs> for fantasy and also, you know, a lot of your picks, you, you side with this group and I don't blame you for it, but um, this is a big loss, a big one. Well, now it runs even deeper because Muzzin's pretty banged up, too. He's yeah. missed a number of games. So their defense score is looking a little shaky now. Obviously, Tyson Barry gets a boost in fantasy value because his minutes, he's been playing like 25, 26 minutes a game now, which is great for fantasy. Mm -hmm. I don't think that's great for the win column in the, in the standings column in, in real hockey necessarily, right. Pete. But I do think fantasy-wise, the player you have to look at is Sandine coming up from uh, the Marlies. It's, it's a player that it's going to be hard to see if he can produce offensively. The NHL is such a different animal than the AHL and the Swedish League and juniors. So it's hard for me to say stamp of approval, pick this guy up. But on a team as rich and forward as the Leafs are, it doesn't hurt. Yeah, and if you're in a really deep league, uh, you know that he's going to be playing at even strength every other shift. He's going to be with Matthews or Marner or Tavares or Nylander. You know, there are great options around him at even strength, even though we know Tyson Barry is going to be the first and foremost power play option as long as he's healthy or even half healthy at this point. But yeah, Sandine uh, coming off a nice World Junior Championship run, very low ownership right now. Mm -hmm. Take a stab at him. I think if you own Morgan Riley and you're in a deep league, go that route, go in-house. I'm, I'm an in-house guy pretty much through and through, especially now Morgan Riley is a player that you probably can replace this year. His stats are, are a lot... He wasn't that good. He wasn't yeah. great. So a lot less after that 70-plus point season last year, the expectations have fallen, which was... It's not it's not a knock on Riley because Barry, a big-time point guy, is on that blue line now. So, you know, I think Sandine is, is going to be capable of putting up those numbers, but I do think watch out for Jake Muzzin if he's available in your league and he has a target date to come back sooner than Riley. That could be a nice pickup. We'll revisit that when it's going to happen. But for now, I do think Morgan Riley is replaceable. I like the in-house route there, Pete. Out of house, maybe a Sam Gerrard. You know, maybe look for a team that, like an Ethan Bear in Edmonton mm -hmm. who's playing big minutes lately. Something like that. You know who's playing a lot better lately after a little lull? Adam Fox. Mm -hmm. And that's an offense that you damn well sure are going <laughs> to want to tap into with Panarin dropping five-point games a couple days prior, D'Angelo dropping five-point games as a defenseman. And uh, yeah, they made a big statement against the Islanders, against Varlamov, one of the best road goalies in the league. And I think you can tap into Adam Fox, one of the many rookie mm -hmm. defensemen that are making an impact this season. So I'm a Tony D owner. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when Adam Fox has a great night, this is kind of why fantasy is a double-edged sword. You're kind of like, oh, shoot, like, you know, Tony D didn't have any points. And then it's like, oh, man, you're kind of like almost rooting against Adam Fox in that one right. game for fantasy purposes. <laughs> but, yeah. but no, Adam Fox, if you look at his stat line, 
uh, from the start of the season till now, he's been consistent. I mean, he's not going to have those big-time games like Tony D might be capable of having, Mm -hmm. but Fox has quietly been producing week in and week out, and if he's available, you're getting access, Pete, to one of the premier players in fantasy, Breadman Artemi Panarin. Yeah, for sure. And another guy, actually, that brings exposure to Panarin, moving away from defensemen, uh, Jesper Faust has been playing on the right side of Panarin and Ryan Strom had a three-point game, his mm-hmm. second three-point game in a week, and he's got like seven points over his past four games, most of it coming at even strength. But, I mean, if you're viewing the Rangers in a different light, and you're you, normally, right, Sidney Crosby, you try to get his line mates, mm-hmm. no matter how good and how bad. Uh, even Connor McDavid, you even take a flyer on Zach Cassian <laughs> during his height of his performance. <laughs> uh, you know, you look at names that you wouldn't have no- mm-hmm. normally viewed as fantasy-relevant players, and I think Jesper Foss falls into that category. Tom Wilson, ring a bell, yeah, too, Tom for Wilson. sure. But no, um, <laughs> yeah, Jesper Foss, I mean, anybody playing alongside Panarin is worth a pickup, and I think, generally speaking for the Rangers, this Ryan Strome panarin chemistry has been the best possible scenario for them ever, because keep in mind, you have Mika Zibanejad, who's a 70-point player, playing off of a line with Panarin at even strength. So just imagine this team moving forward. I mean, this is going to be one of the premier offenses in the NHL, and it doesn't look like Ryan Strom is going to be broken up with Artemi Panarin anytime soon. This could be a annual line combination, Pete, now that we have in our top 25 line rankings. And they don't even have, they're not even really throwing uh, Capococco into a prime offensive role this season. He has struggled. He's gone long stretches without a point. He's been a big bust in terms of everybody that thought he was going to win the Calder or score 30 goals. There were a lot of people that thought that. But whether it's Jesper Faust, who I think is maybe the short-term option, Mm -hmm. he's always been a good bottom six forward uh, in the NHL since he's come up. Uh, He's like a short-term stopgap, but that is eventually going to be Kako's spot to stay. There's no doubt. Let's turn it ahead to some fan questions here. We'll start with our buddy Jebediah Spring (laughs) on Twitter. He asked yesterday, Varley, Samsonov, Shosturkin, Merlickens, he says, I know you guys have Varlamov ranked highest, but who would you pick up? Well, I'm going to go against the Brett grain where he would say Varlamov. And Varlamov prior to that game mm-hmm. is the sure thing. But sometimes, I mean, you know, Rob, right? Mm-hmm. One game can change everything for fantasy. I'm not off the Varlamov train. That said, you cannot pick up anybody other than Samsonov from that group, I think. There's Another no, shutout. No He's like 13-2. and two. I mean, he's pushing Holtby. Caps fans are excited for their goalie of the present and the future. Mm-hmm. He gets some favorable matchups. It's Samsonov, then convince me otherwise. I don't know. He's going to end up with Louis Domingue type numbers from last season, where he's got like 20 wins and like three losses on the on a team like the Caps. That's President's Trophy right now, leading the way. I really do. I agree with you, Pete. I think it's Samsonov. The only downside that you know Samsonov has really to picking him up. It's just that Holpe is their organizational guy. And, you know, say what you want about his his numbers season to date. They're not good. But I just think that he has that preferential treatment. They throw him out and get the starts. Now, it is interesting, though, against Carolina, who is a great team, mm-hmm. that they did go with Samsonov. So maybe that's going to bode well for more split time down the stretch. But I think you're going to see less starts from Samsonov, but the best peripherals of that bunch. And he's played twice recently against Carolina, Samsonov, both getting wins. The one uh, he almost gave up the game, but... It's interesting for sure that they've gone with their younger rather than the older legend. I mean, Holpe's a legend in Mm -hmm. Washington for what he did in the championship run. But, 
Yeah. What, also, what do you think of the Backstrom contract? I mean, we all expected him to stay, mm-hmm. but it's nice to see them lock up one of their all-time goats. I mean, he should be an agent after he's done playing, too. <laughs> the way that he got that 9-plus AAV without an agent, that's awesome. Wow. So, back, he got smart guy on the ice, smart guy off the ice. Uh, I think it's great for you know people in keepers leagues because you're probably not keeping Backstrom at this point. You're probably not electing to keep him, but he's one of those sneaky names that's probably available in the round four, five, and six of fantasy drafts. If you scoop a player like that up, let's say you pass on center in the first couple rounds, mm-hmm. Backstrom's good for a point per game every single season. He's good for 50-plus assists every single season at 25-plus power play points every single season. It's true. We actually, ha- I have him in one of my points in our main work points only league. And I've had some disappointing players, some veteran guys who have been around for a while. Philip Forsberg has been a disappointment for me. Claude Giroux. Mm-hmm. I have Nicholas Backstrom. And really the only stretch where he hasn't performed for me was that, what, five game stretch where he was out with an injury. Yeah. The guy, even at his worst, gets you like a five assist point streak. Uh, you know, every other week. Mm -hmm. And he's one of those guys where the contract year thing, I don't think it applies to him. I think he's going to play better with the security in his mind that he's in D.C. for the next five seasons after this one. Yeah, and Ovi hit another milestone, and those guys work hand-in-hand. It's crazy, too. It's a contract year, but he has been playing more often with Ovechkin than his countryman, Kuznetsov. It's It's worth noting. It's definitely worth noting. Big time uh, Rocket Richard implications there too because Ovi's starting to creep up on pasta. (laughs) Uh, We have a question now from Bassbone718730. Does Cam Talbot have any long-term value? If so, do I drop Dell for him? Don't drop Dell for... uh for Talbot that I think we covered it yesterday a little bit with James James said Talbot I said Dell and I'm pretty uh you know I've been convinced I think by the play of Dell over the past month and change uh it was interesting that Talbot had a couple of nice starts in a row what started three in a row and Mm -hmm. then they started Riddick uh on Monday night against Montreal and they got shut out it was a loss for Riddick but I mean, Talbot's coming on strong. He's fantasy relevant. That said, I would go with the team with the higher ceiling is the Sharks, mm-hmm. and he is their sure starting goalie, and you can't say the same about Talbot. I'm with you on that one, Pete. And it's funny. I think Riddick got the start because he's the guy. I mean, he's the number one guy. The only reason, it, my, my theory at least, I, I should preface by saying that, is that Cam Talbot got those games because Riddick was playing every single night yeah. up until that point. I mean, this guy led the league in games started mm-hmm. for goalies, so you have to rest him at some point. You're not It's not the old ages where he's going to play 70-plus games. That's absurd. You have to give Talbot some starts. There was a nice opportunity to sit Ritter over the little break there, you know, get nice and fresh coming into the to the meaningful stretch here. And, yeah, you know, they got shut out 2 nothing. but, hey, I mean – uh, it wasn't on Riddich that game against uh, Montreal on Monday night, so I think they do go back to him, trying to inspire some confidence. And rest of season, you know, percentage-wise, I think we're almost at an 80-20% in right. terms of starts for Riddich versus uh, Talbot. I have a question piggybacking off that one for you with how Antti Ranta is in the lineup, out of the lineup, injured, slightly healthy, comes back, Kemper's still out, but Ranta has not proven to be a viable fantasy option think we could both agree on that would you drop ranta for either dell or talbot and or i would do it for dell i wouldn't mm-hmm. do that i wouldn't get, get, talbot. get with um, but but ranta is 
you're right, Pete. It's not viable. It's not realistic for fantasy anymore. If you have minimum starts per week in a league, you can't have a guy like Ronta on your bench. He's not starting. Yeah. Like, he's not going to play. Now, when he does play, it's going to be a 930 save percentage and above. If, if you have a same-day ads league, spot start league, Ronta's great for that kind of situation when he's confirmed to play. Otherwise, you cannot have a player like that taking up a bench spot. You're much better off having an Aaron Dell who you know is starting at least 70% of the games from here on out for the Sharks. They might not all be wins, but he's going to have a decent save percentage around 9-10. You're going to pick up a couple Ws, and you might get the occasional shutout. What should? But in a case like we're in where we have the Arizona tandem and we have Kemper on IR and we don't have an IR plus and we have Ranta as what our fourth goalie mm-hmm. right now. I think we have to stand pat and just wait for that situation to resolve itself before we maybe cut the cord on Ranta in a deeper league, because there might not be anything out there. Mm-hmm. Someone might pluck them off the waiver wire <laughs> and have a nice uh, stretch <laughs> if they get lucky. I agree that the, the thin, the line is thin there. Don't tow mm-hmm. it, you know, one way or the other. If, if you do have Kemper and Ranta as a, as one, a one B thing, Keep that, but if you have Ranta as that standalone option to get exposure to the Coyotes, I think you're better suited elsewhere. What do you think about, speaking of injuries, uh, it sounds like Jonathan Marcheseau, who I know is one of your guys, Mm -hmm. uh, he might be coming back on Tuesday against the Sabres, favorable matchup, but I mean, just the ripple effect on that team. They've lost three in a row, a couple of ugly ones in between, especially that one against the Kings at home. But how much does Jonathan Marcheseau mean to that whole offense? He means everything. I mean, he is one of the pioneers of that team on Mm -hmm. and off the ice. Big time member of the community there too. Great interview. We had him here in the office last year. I mean, this is a player in fantasy too, Pete, every single night. He's covering every category imaginable. He's hitting, he's uh, scoring, he's getting assists, he's getting power play points. He is what makes that team tick. He's at extra gear at even strength late in the game. He's always out there playing around 20 plus minutes. So if this guy, if you've got him on your bench in fantasy, activate this player. If you're playing DFS, always have him as a standalone option for the Knights. If you're not ready to stack up patches and stone, get the other line exposure with a guy like Marshy. I was glad to see Patches get into the All-Star game as a replacement. They, they didn't even make it down, come down to the vote. Uh, they put him back in, and it's his first All-Star game, which is insane because he's, like, over the past decade or so, mm-hmm. he's top 10 in the NHL in goals. Oh, by the way. Yeah. So <laughs> well-deserved for Pacioretty. Uh, one of the most underrated superstars in the league. No doubt. Good good time to return to gearing up for fantasy playoffs. And kind of picking back off that time of year, we have Johnny Hins asking, I'm considering making a trade for Pasternak and Krug. I already have Marshan. Is that mm. too many players from one team to have, or are they worth it? Now, this is the time of year, Pete, where you can still make some deals to set yourself up for fantasy playoffs. Now, stacking... There is an implication that the schedule, you're limited to the schedule. If the Bruins only have, you know, two games one week, you're probably going to suffer. Where do you stand on collecting a group of players from one team? I know you did it last year with Pittsburgh in our ESPN league. Yeah, and it didn't work out, you know. I mean, I think there are very few teams that you would do it with. Tampa Bay maybe one mm-hmm. if you stack with that top line and they're all playing together, which is not a guarantee, but it is a guarantee that Bergeron, Marchand, Pasternak will always be together and with Tory Krug as long as Krug is healthy on the first power play. So that would be one of like the two or three teams that I would stack three or more players for. Mm-hmm. And it, it includes, you know, and I wanted to get to the Bruins secondary scoring with you, but like David Krejci and some of their under the radar options. But yeah, I think that that's one of the few teams that I would go heavy on mm-hmm. Boston Bruins for obvious reasons. 
I'm all in favor of stacking, especially via fantasy drafts in the beginning of the season. But I think if you're in a playoff spot now or if you're right outside one but still competing, still getting good matchup week to week, and it looks like you're going to make the playoffs, you know, I think, I like I said, just to reiterate, I love taking a chance like that. But, you know, it might just be too much of a risk come the playoff schedule. Right. Don't give up too much to stack one team because then it could bite you if that team has a three-game losing streak at the wrong time or if the line gets shut down or if Bergeron gets banged up at the wrong time. But again, if it falls into your lap, take advantage. I could just say another thing about the stacking. One of my teams this year, I have Kane, Taves, and Debrinkit. Three Mm -hmm. excellent options individually. Guys that you would want to have on on your team, especially with how well Taves is playing lately. But that league, I'm... I'm like on the cusp of playoff contention. I'm yeah. Not, it ha- it's not winning me anything. Uh, and some weeks I'm like, what? It's maddening yeah. you know, to watch that team hoping their guys will all produce at once. And then sometimes they'll lose at home to a bad team. Uh-huh. And imagine in that scenario that like you miss out on the playoffs by like a spot or something. And then you check the scores and you see the brink at Kane, et cetera. And they're all popping off with multi-goal games. That would be infuriating yeah. for that. To happen. Right. It'll happen in, in March <laughs> or, or April, the last right. week of the season. <laughs> They'll all go on a rampage. But yeah, that's that's how it goes. I mean, I think speaking of our teams, I mm-hmm. wanted to ask you something. So this was the first week, and I know you're a Canucks guy. Mm-hmm. Um, this is the first week of the season in my weekly league that I went with Jacob Markstrom over Freddie Anderson. It was in part because of this Riley injury, with, which broke yesterday. Uh, but what are your thoughts on Markstrom, uh, you know, just for this game against the Jets, but mm-hmm. also just the stability of... Markstrom for the rest of the season he seems to be the clear number one no doubt and um, you know for the game on Tuesday against the Jets I think it's a start I think in in season long it's a start I think in DFS if you're looking for maybe a slightly cheaper guy but it still has a pedigree it's a good start too Mm -hmm. Um, Vancouver seems to be going the right way Winnipeg seems to be going the wrong way and rest of season value I mean any goalie that's on a team fighting for the seventh or eighth spot in either of their conferences, like that's a fantasy relevant goalie rest of season, no, no matter what their name value is. And he's going to be playing meaningful minutes. He's going to be playing a lot in between, you know, all the rest of the way. He's probably going to be playing what 80 or 90% of their games the mm-hmm. rest of the way for, for Markstrom. So you got to love that. And then also Vancouver's second line. I think we should note like they joined the line rankings last week, but that's a line that would normally drop out the next week, yeah. but they're just getting better and better. Like Bo Horvat and Tanner Pearson and even Louis Erickson, the third mm-hmm. wheel, who's totally irrelevant <laughs> in recent years, but right. he's back. He's playing in a meaningful role uh, for all the money he's making up in Vancouver. And check out his ice time. He's playing like 1650 a game now from <laughs> the beginning of the season. He that's was playing good. like under 10. So it's kind of a nice little uh, side note success story. And, and yeah, I mean, Bo Horvat's been one of my best standalone centers in an auto draft league that I had. So uh-huh. can't say enough about that. But I think just to, to go back to that that logic, any team that that's fighting for a wild card spot, um, their goalie, if they have a true number one, is a slam dunk versus off throughout Edmonton, where they've got a Mike Smith getting starts, they've got a Miko Koskinen getting starts. That's way too maddening for a fantasy owner. If you have Koskinen or if you have Smith, Separately, I don't think many people have the Oilers tandem this year. I wouldn't advise that if you do. Um, it's just too frustrating. So at least with Markstrom, a guy like that, you know every single game he's getting the potential nod to start. Yeah, I hope that. I, I know we were not as high 
early in the season in the preseason on Edmonton as some people might have been, but we definitely told you don't invest too heavily in that tandem. And that storyline has mm-hmm. certainly worked out. And from this point forward, I wouldn't want any part of it. It's just my preference. And if you ask us on Twitter, you know, is it going to be Smith or Koskin? And I have to say candidly, I have no idea. Call Dave Tippett because he clearly likes Mike Smith. I mean, they have history together from Arizona or Phoenix when it was back in the day. But, you know, it, Koskinen seems to be the better player but he seems to have more bad games than Smith too so I truly have no vision of how that's going to play out rest of year and to be clear I mean there are some goalies out there that are relevant who may not be in our top 25 rankings like Brett was talking about quick how he's played a lot lately there's also um, you know the Edmonton guys individually and then uh, you know even like UC Soros he's Mm -hmm. not in our rankings he just had a shutout so keep an eye on those guys another one is Linus Allmark he plays almost every game now for Buffalo. Yeah. And they do have their little stretches where they get you surprising wins and he yields some fantasy value. If a guy is not in our top 25 or in the top 200, though, mm-hmm. make sure you're cautious with the spot starts and the matchups because some some weeks, some games, they could blow up your score for the wrong reasons. But they, they still are relevant, we should say. Totally. Now, another uh, Tuesday night storyline and, and more like just general is the Dallas-Colorado matchup should mm-hmm. be two heavyweights kind of going oh, yeah. At it, um, I do like Dallas in the game. Are you starting to worry a little bit about Colorado in terms of their defense and goalie position? Yeah, I am. As much as we can tout Sam Girard and his offense lately, and Kale McCarr has been a great story this season. Um, Eric Johnson is healthy, and this defense has been a liability. And that's a concern for me. Usually it's like the defense is a liability, but when Eric Johnson comes back, it's, uh, you know, set things settle down a little bit. Eric Johnson's back. Miko Rantanen's back. Gabriel Landeskog's back. Philip Grubauer's back. They're all back yeah. now. They're not, they have no injuries to point to. It's a shame because they played so well with all those injuries, mm-hmm. but the chemistry is off. Maybe the coaching's off a little uh-huh. bit. And all of a sudden, uh, they're in danger of falling out of the playoffs. I, they're like hanging on by a thread, which is shocking because a team led by Nathan McKinnon, you would never think that they'd be in danger of missing. I don't think they'll miss the playoffs. They should make it. Right. But you're right. I mean, Winnipeg, if they get hot, you know, they could get in that, that central division race. And when you look at Colorado, it's like when they play well, they play so well. But then when they play poorly, it's real bad. So I'd like to just see them come somewhere in the middle. You know, I don't need to see those lightning in a bottle games where Burkowski's scoring and Don Scoy scoring. Like, let's have Nazem Kadri step up a little bit, get more goals, maybe balance things out. I don't want to see Mikko Rantanen on the second power play unit. That That is absolutely unwarranted. That should never happen in the National Hockey League. So I just, you know, I don't need that team to be flashy. I don't think they need to be flashy. They can win in a variety of ways. They've got to start playing like that. If they do get to the playoffs, they're not going to go very far if they're playing that lightning in a bottle style. They have to. I mean, last year they got almost to the conference finals playing those three on the same line, and they didn't have nearly as much depth. I mean, all their second liners weren't on the team last year, right, between Burakovsky, Donskoy, and Kadri. Yep. So I kind of want to see those three get back to their bread and butter all on the top line together and develop that second line to be better than what you had in the playoffs last year. You don't need you need secondary scoring, but you don't need a dynamite elite second line to make the cup final. The Boston no. Bruins are proof of that. 100%. That's a, that's a great point. I mean, even Dallas, who had very limited depth scoring last yeah. year, was very close to, to going all the way. So I think that proof is in the pudding. Now, rest of season, 
you know, Pavel Fransu versus Grubauer. I mean, again, this one is just way too hard to see. Grubauer was uh, kind of running, yapping off the other day about, you know, the team's giving up way too many shots when he's in net. I I don't know if that's necessarily going to make the guys in front of him play harder. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so where do you see that? shaking out because Grubauer I mean he was he was drafted pretty high in fantasy this year so what do you expect if you're a Grubauer guy or if you're a Fransu owner hoping he gets more starts I would lean towards Grubauer but it's too tough to say one thing that was a really good strategy of some fan that reached out to us to tell us about a trade he made he traded Philip Grubauer for Sergei Bobrovsky kind of a lateral move on paper between two struggling goalies who were highly ranked but to me, like, Bobrovsky's the guy I'd rather right. have. So maybe try to test the waters on the trade market and see what you could get. Even if it's just a lateral move for another struggling goaltender, yeah. uh, chances are uh, maybe you could get a little more clarity for that guy that you get in return for one of these guys. Because right now it's like anybody's guess. And, I mean, Francois has been better than mm-hmm. Grubauer, but... Not by much lately. No, they've both been struggling lately. And, and hopefully other people in your guys' leagues don't listen to our program because I say that's an A-plus trade. If you can get Bobrovsky <laughs> for Grubauer, I would uh, do that over and over and over again. And I think, you know, for Florida, I mean, it's crazy that they are, I think, either just right outside or in the second wild card position as of today. And think about how bad uh, Bobrovsky has been this season. The fact that they're even in that spot says how high their ceiling is like they could finish second or third in the Atlantic no doubt about it if they put together a nice little run and Bobrovsky starts to play to the level we know he's capable of I mean right now they are five points out of second in the Atlantic wow so yeah they could get right up to hosting a playoff series if they turn it on at the right time right now they're a point behind Philly who won a big game against Boston by the way yeah on uh Tuesday uh, Monday night but yeah I think Florida, their offense is starting to get going too. And I was looking at their schedule for this week, looking beyond the Tuesday slate. Mm-hmm. They only have two games this week, but they're playing LA at home and at Detroit. Wow. So <laughs> ride the hot hand. Any exposure to Huberto uh-huh. you can get. Uh, Huberto's in our top 10 overall rankings this week. And two guys that have really stepped up on the same line, I think, for Florida. Uh, Vincent Trocek, who's back in the top 100 forward ranks, and Nolachari, yeah. 17 goals, three assists. Nolachari. Brett Connolly Jr. I mean, he was <laughs> Connolly was getting it earlier in the year. Now it's Achari. So awesome to see depth-wise for the Panthers. And, and yeah, I'm in a league where Barkov, um, I have him, and it's a points-only league where you have to set your lineup and it locks on Monday. I mm-hmm. saw that they only had two games, and I'm like, you know what? This is a team where they could put up five and five in each of those games, and you'll reap the rewards, even though they're only playing twice. Yeah, I actually made a reverse move. I had I played Giroux because they have four games versus Dadanov, mm-hmm. who only has two games. But then like Giroud didn't score a point in a five, six yeah. goal effort for the Flyers. So completely whacked out. And uh, who knows, I'll probably end up regretting that with the easy <laughs> matchups for Florida later in the week. I feel like every time I play the schedule, it plays me. Yeah. So let that be a for word sure. of caution for fantasy <laughs> owners. And we have to obligatory mention the uh, Brad Marchand uh, shootout blunder. Thank God it's not a, a category in fantasy, a shootout miss, because that was one of the worst of all time. But hey, th- we're talking about a 90-point player here. So I think as much you know as you want to you know hop in on that party on Twitter, I mean, hey, they're playing Columbus on Tuesday night. I think it's a great spot if you're playing DFS and getting back in the lineup. Do you? I think about this sometimes when I'm watching, especially in DFS, when I'm watching a game, you're hoping for extra points for a guy and then you get to the shootout and it's kind of a buzzkill mm-hmm. in terms of you can't 
get any points or lose any points from the shootout. What do you think about the, you know, maybe down the road <laughs> getting points for or against in the shootout, at least for DFS? I think it's like a good debate. I mean, I like it, to be honest with you. I, I think as I had in my mock lineup last night, I did have Brad Marchand, and I'm thinking, mm-hmm. I honestly felt I felt something during the shoot. I'm like, this is not how this game should end in a way. But if there was a little bit more incentive for, for fantasy players where you do get some little, you know, 0.5 or whatever, nothing crazy, I like that. It's a great idea. And it's kind of weird for, for betting purposes. It does count. The shootout win does count. Just as much as a regulation win counts, if you wager on like if you wagered on Philly as a home underdog, like we told you to yesterday, you're probably sweating it out. But you know you got the win that you needed. But it seems like the shootout for all other fantasy DFS yeah. season long doesn't matter. Where I feel like it should. It's kind of random, but it should matter. All right. Well, now this I'm going to put that on our top of the list priority wise <laughs> for the off season because we could fu- we could come up with something pretty good for that, Pete. We'll tag uh, at Yahoo Fantasy <laughs> Customer Care. Uh, like we've been doing lately with the Pecorine goal and some of the position changes that fans are clamoring Mm -hmm. for. But actually, that's a really good account to reach out to if uh, you ever have any questions about the nitty gritty of your fantasy scoring Mm -hmm. and stuff like that. They always respond. No doubt. Now, before we wrap up here, I just wanted to throw out a couple of things. Teams like Detroit, they're playing the Islanders on Tuesday. Mm -hmm. I know there's not a lot of fantasy value when you look at the roster on paper, especially if you're looking at the plus minus column. But is there any team, Pete, that you think like a Detroit, an L.A., I know who you mentioned quick earlier, a New Jersey, or maybe like an Ottawa where they're not really good in the standings. But Mm -hmm. do you think there's any way you could find some value that could help you in your season long league? One on, on one of those struggling teams remainder of the season. Definitely the Devils after what they've shown over the past couple of days, right? I know they made the GM change, uh, Ray Shiro out, but I think uh, between Nico Heischer, Kyle Palmieri's banged up right now, but uh, Gusev, I know some people are picking up uh, Blake Coleman as well in some season-long leagues. I wouldn't advise for that, but yeah, definitely the Devils jump out to me as a team that could play spoiler and maybe even uh, chip away at the standings a little bit. And I think in deeper leagues too, these are the teams that you know you are kind of sadly looking at on the waiver wire. Mm-hmm. So you know, hey, just make sure that plus-minus category isn't weighing too much in your league. But if it's not, you know, you right. could get like a, an Alex Iafalo. Uh, for LA, who's been a little bit more productive lately, you could get, you know, I know the Blake Coleman thing, like you just said, it's it's not going to screen fantasy value, but if mm-hmm. the ice time's there, it's it's worthy of a stream. So, you know, DFS-wise and deep league-wise, I do think there's value on these teams. And we've seen this in years past where, you know, you, you think a team's playing for that lottery pick first overall, and then they string together a decent second half, and you're kind of like, whoa. I mean, Detroit was a perfect example last year. That team from, I think it was February 15th to the end of the season, was right up there among the playoff-type teams points-wise, and Larkin and Mantha were two of the top forwards in fantasy to end the season. So don't don't go into this play- fantasy playoff sleeping like that. Be aware that there is value on some of those teams. And one last thing, Robbie, before uh, we wrap up the show for this Tuesday. We had a discussion in the office a couple of days ago about the Boston Bruins secondary scoring. Mm-hmm. I felt they missed out on Ilya Kovalchuk. They could have easily had him. I kind of thought they should have had him the first time around, but you had a different stance. You were saying trust the guys in-house, yeah. and if they did, which they did, um, they got an effort like Monday in Philly mm-hmm. where they combined for six points. 
The second line is now Krejci with DeBrusque, a guy that we both like, and Anders Bjork, who has yep. been uh, wavering from NHL, AHL, injury list uh, for a few seasons now, but a high-end player. Without a doubt, they have the talent, and I think I'm in favor of them standing pat at the deadline. I mean, look what they well, look what happened when they brought in Rick Nash a couple seasons ago. It didn't work out. Mm-hmm. I think that DeBrusque, I know DeBrus statistically is a better player in February, March, and April than he is in the beginning of the season. He gets hot at this time of year every year. So DeBrus, if he's out there, absolute good streaming position, um, left wing. And then Krejci, I mean, yeah, I mean, he could finish with another 65-plus point season, and it wouldn't even we wouldn't even blink an eye at it, right? right. So I think that, you know, if DeBrusque is out there, great. Now for Bjork... That might be a rotating door on that right side. Mm-hmm. Krejci and DeBrusque is, a, is a definitely a stacking option season-long and DFS alike. De- Bjork has the talent. We've seen it before. He's been a little bit injury-prone. So right. if you're in a deep league, yes, pick him up. If not, you know, just, just pay attention to the lines every day. See who's skating there because not only will it be a good DFS streaming option, it'll be a good same-day ad option. Good stuff. And I actually dropped, uh, speaking of Kovalchuk, um, he didn't score on Monday, but I dropped Cassian for him mm-hmm. in one of my leagues. What are your thoughts on that move? I, I have Tom <laughs> Wilson in the same okay. league, so I like I don't need two of the same player, two right wings like that. No, I mean, in, in real hockey, I don't think you would need that either. So <laughs> I, I definitely, I definitely agree with that move. Um, the th- one thing I'll say about the Habs. I'd love to see them make the playoffs this year. I mean, playoffs right. at the Bell Center would be incredible for everybody. Um, but I think the reality is they're not going to make it. Um, you know, maybe if Druen comes back soon and Domi comes, uh, not Domi, Druen and um, who else? Armia. Armia, yeah. yeah Armia, mm-hmm. one of their key forwards this year comes back soon. If that happens, yeah, they could they could challenge. But the East right now with Philly playing pretty well, I know they're inconsistent, but I, I'm just not seeing it from Montreal. So, I have a hard time fantasy stock wise investing in this team at this moment. I think Kobe's a great ad for anybody. Mm-hmm. We have him in a league, Pete, but I'm just I'm just not as high on them rest of the season. I'm trying to kind of I think come to terms with them missing out now versus it hurting later. Yeah, I mean teams like the Islanders, Carolina, Philly, even Florida have set the bar so high for that final playoff spot in the East that even a team like the Rangers who are showing a lot of promise have a very uphill battle just to get back into that conversation. So Montreal is even behind the Rangers. So uh, it's kind of the harsh reality right now. No doubt, no doubt. So if you if we did not answer your question on the program today, but you've got a good one, hit us up on Twitter. I'm at NHL Reese, Pete's at NHL Jensen. We're both at NHL Fantasy. And hit up Davey Boy, too. Don't forget about Davey Sats at David underscore Saturano for all your goalie needs and advice. Yeah, so for Reese, Jensen, we'll talk to you again later in the week. NHL Fantasy on Ice, thanks so much for listening.